Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. What does motion sound like? With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion. Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com slash socks. G'day and welcome to the Fred Paul Show on ADH TV, coming at you from one of the hundreds of shrines of remembrance across Britain that tonight, Remembrance Sunday, are festooned with wreaths commemorating those who died for freedom. But there are grey clouds over all these shrines tonight. And it's not just the dreary, drizzly weather that the Poms call autumn. English poet Rupert Brooke, on his way to Gallipoli in World War I, wrote that should he die in action, there would be a corner of a foreign field that is forever England. Well, the opposite is true now. There are corners of fields and towns and cities right across England that are now forever foreign, as the events of this weekend proved. Here's a sample of what I saw on the streets of London. How do you feel about what uh, the what Hamas soldiers did to women like yourself on October 7? Um, uh, it's it's not good. It's not like the thing is is oh gosh, can we? <laughs> sorry, can we cut for a moment there? Sure, yeah. <laughs> not Israeli or Jewish, but right. I you know anything to wind up some terrorists. The people in this country need to be woken up mm. to the problem that's become with mass immigration. And we just see imported the world's problems here. Yep. If you immigrate to this country, you should at least have some respect for our national traditions and customs. Uh, no, I, I don't want to cry on camera, but if I'm honest with you, there's not a lot of future for British people in this country. I live here and I'm very concerned about the fact that Jewish life in many parts of London has had to go underground. And like I said, I'm as woke as they come. I believe in freedom for everybody, but I feel that, you know, Jewish people have to be afraid. And the only thing this is achieving is it's driving anti-Semitic attacks. Why are the Israelis the villains if if there is a lot of killing going on? Yeah, you're right. There is a lot of killing going on from a, I can only speak of this as a Muslim. Well, that's what the left means when they talk about diversity a diversity of opinions about why Western civilization is totally screwed. I'll be playing all those interviews at length in a minute. After that, I'll play an interview I had earlier with Dr. David Adler of the Australian Jewish Association about, among other things, a new phrase that's come out of the Middle East recently. It is, first the Saturday people, then the Sunday people, which is, I'm afraid, not 
an HR slogan about how to divide weekend shifts between casual employees. It's actually a little bit more frightening than that. Speaking of frightening, this is what happened yesterday on Armistice Day when uh, working class patriots tried to march on the Cenotaph on Whitehall and the police tried to stop them. This epitomises more than anything how screwed up modern Britain has become. These blokes were angry that so many corners of their towns and cities were now forever foreign. I'd seen them earlier in the day near the Cenotaph, chanting, we just want our country back, and taunting the police, saying, you're not English anymore. Their, their anger was born of frustration. This incident, like many others like it, was routinely described in the media as involving far-right activists. But that's not how they came across to me. Here's a chat I had with one of them, a bloke called Steve. We talked about the march that happened at the same time across the other side of London involving 300,000 people in support of Palestine. Have a listen. So we've left the protest march and come back to the statue of Winston Churchill and I bumped into a, someone I met this morning. What's your name, mate? Steve. Steve, yeah. good to see you again, nice Steve. We saw each other at the Armistice Day uh, um, ceremony this morning on Whitehall. And Steve's been down here all day uh, ever since, try, uh, guarding the statue of Winston Churchill. Steve, how's the day been for you? Uh, to be honest with you, guys, if, and this is for everyone around the world just listening in. This is uh, the, the start of it for everybody. We're only here defending um, our right to, to commemorate our dead who died through two world wars defending our great country and the Commonwealth and you lot in Australia as well. The fact that we have to stand here and defend the statue of a great war leader against any... It, 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 it beggars belief. It does. Is it disrespectful that they've held a, a rally on a day like today? I think it just shows the disrespect and the, the discourse for any British values that are left in this country. There's no doubt about it they're doing this to provoke and to incite people. There's no doubt about it. How's it, what's the future of Britain like? I mean, there's a lot of people in living in Britain now who don't share British values, don't appreciate British culture. What's the future like? Uh, no, I, I don't want to cry on camera, but if I'm honest with you, there's not a lot of future for British people in this country. The fact that we can't even commemorate a day of our dead who died in the Great Wars defending our freedom of speech. And look at what we've got now. Please, please look at what we've got now. Well, Steve didn't want to cry on camera, God bless him. And I didn't want to shiver on camera either, standing out there next to the shrine, so I've come indoors to deliver the rest of the show. Now, the protest march that we talked about was, of course, the pro-Palestinian protest march through the centre of London on Saturday, involving about 300,000 people, from which I plucked the only person, as far as I could see, wearing an always-was, always-will-be T-shirt a young woman from Australia who equated the Palestinian struggle with that of her Aboriginal ancestors. Have a listen. Um, oh, just in the middle of this massive march, probably one of the biggest protest marches in history, and I spotted an always was, always will be t-shirt in the middle of it. What's your first name? 
Yasmin. Yasmin. Hi, Yasmin. I'm Fred. Nice to meet you. Uh, so, how about how do you feel about coming to this march? Um, I so I live in London. I moved from Australia a while ago, and I'm really passionate about it. I've got a lot of friends who are from Palestine, so I'm. I believe in supporting community initiatives and things, and also bringing some Indigenous solidarity as well. So. Is there a connection between the Aboriginal cause in Australia and the Palestinian cause? Yeah, definitely. I think as well the fact that Australia has abstained um, as well. It says a lot in terms of how their from the UN vote. You mean from the UN vote, the ceasefire? Yeah. I feel like it says a lot about their own and the referendum too within Australia says a lot about how they think about settler colonial violence within their country and their complicitness in this one as well. So uh, do you think the colonisation of Australia was a good thing or a bad thing? A bad thing, for sure. Why is that? Um, I think... Uh, gosh, I feel like I've been put on the spot a bit here. <laughs> That's all right. Yeah, I, mean, um, I think it's a bad thing. I mean, I have ancestry, Aboriginal ancestry, and... But you have white ancestry as well. White ancestry yeah. as well. I've got a mixture. Yeah. So I think, like, definitely with in terms of um, colonialism within Australia, we still are not, uh, we still are censoring what has actually happened. And the fact as well, there was a massive genocide in Australia and still we don't talk about the impact of that genocide as well. I think it speaks to volumes that there are so many countries out there that um, where colonialism has happened, there's a lot of similar situations within genocide um, that is not spoken about and still censored. Uh, yeah. So do you think, so the, um, the Jews have colonized the Middle East, the Palestinian lands, is that how you see it? Uh, no, I think it is a response, again, like it's a response to Western um, accountability as well. Like after the Holocaust, there are a lot of countries in the West not taking responsibility for what has actually happened within countries. And as a response to that too, them wanting to create links with the, the Middle East as well. But that's, it's within their own privilege and what, and what would benefit them most. I feel like a lot of what's happening at the moment is calling upon, um, a lot of what's happening across the world is actually calling upon the, uh, is like as a response to the military occupation of the West and what they have done in multiple countries. How do you feel about what uh, the what Hamas soldiers did to women like yourself on October 7? Um, uh, it's, it's not good. It's not like, the thing is, is, oh gosh. Can we, uh, sorry, can we cut for a moment there? Sure, yeah. <laughs> it's not good. Well, that's one way of putting it. I later met Ian, the lead singer of a band that plays the esoteric genre called steampunk, who stood by the side of the march telling all the passers-by that he thought they were a bunch of fools. I can't say for sure, but I think the main reason he didn't get beaten up was his magnificent Sherlock Holmes-like outfit. Have a look. So I'm here with Ian, right in the middle of the march. There must be more than 100,000 people here now. Yeah, we're uh, we've seen them pause of the world, world's problems, haven't yeah. we? <laughs> we're in like... port the third world, become the third world. But yeah. Ian, you are bravely standing here with a St George Cross. And they all go, they'll go, oh, he was a Turk, you know. Yeah. No, Turks didn't exist. He was a Greek, actually, if you want to be more. Well, there you go. Yeah. Yes. The lovely yeah. gentleman with Musical a there. funny yeah. horn in the background. Yeah. So, Ian, have you been copying much abuse as these people, lovely people, walk Actually, past? Um, it's been quite friendly today. Um, I haven't actually had a good conversation with one of the fellow protesters. Um, you got people going, Wanker! Yeah. You know, 
I, I can cope with that, you know. Yeah, yeah. I admit. Do you feel intimidated at all? No, I don't actually. Okay. Yeah. I moved my badge. I had there. My my Israel. I'm not Israeli or Jewish, but right. I you know anything to wind up some terrorists. Yeah, yeah. Supporters. <laughs> so what's uh, what, what's your feeling about this march? I mean, are these people deluded? Well, first of all, um, I was almost hoping they were going to come to send us that the people in this country need to be woken up mm. to the problem that's become with mass immigration, and we just imported the world's problems here. Yeah, we don't need all this on the on, in our, uh, our capital. Yeah. You know, you know, I said that to some people. Say, oh, well, it's a globalist couple now. Yeah. Unfortunately, well, no, it's still England. It's probably right. You know. Well, yeah. The, now the you cities were, have been captured. You were at the Armistice Day uh, ceremony yeah. on Whitehall earlier. There was a, it was a pretty small crowd compared to this one. Yeah, yeah. How yeah. does that make you feel? Well, um, I think a lot of people. The word went out about that, saying it's almost like a January 6th trap. You know, mm. everyone's worried we're going to get kettled and then. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But I think maybe the police are a bit more wary now about being quite so outrageously two-tier tip policing. Yeah. You know, I've been on Brexit marches and uh, and anti-lockdown marches, and they love bringing in the batons and and battering yeah. us. Exactly. When, when we're not the right crowd, but you know, get, make it BLM or or Hamas, they get on their knee and. And yeah, yeah, they take a knee, yeah. yeah. Well, during COVID, anyone anyone protesting or, or demanding freedom during the COVID lockdowns was uh, was beaten up and locked up. You had it even worse in Australia. Well, we did indeed. Yeah. Yeah, they started the concentration camp, didn't well, they? We did. Fucking hell. <laughs> Old ideas don't go away, well, do they? <laughs> it's, not, it's not the way that descendants of convicts, it's where the descendants of prison officers, aren't you? That's right. right. <laughs> now, um... This is a particularly disrespectful march well, being they, on Remembrance they Day. They could have chosen any other day. And they've deliberately done this. This is obviously deliberate. This is, you know, if you immigrate to this country, you should at least have some respect for our national traditions and customs. And there's one day, Armistice Day, that is sacred to this country. They could have just taken a break on that day. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So what does it say about the future of Britain, Ian? Um, I don't know. It's looking perilous. Yeah, it is, isn't it? Um, you know, everyone I know is like, uh, where's the gal? But like, unlike the Jews, you know, we haven't got an Israel to go to. Good point. Now tell me about your outfit. Is this is this Sherlock Holmes? No, everyone's a Sherlock Holmes. Sherlock Holmes wore a deer stalker. Right. But this is Inverness cape. Right. Which is um, a Sherlock Holmes thing, yeah. Okay. But um, it's, you just it, wanted to look English. Well, to be honest with you, when I come to like demonstrations like that, I do try and dress up. I don't dress like this every day. Yeah. But I get generally news before. I'm just a musician, you know. I'm not anyone special. Okay. Right. Um, and uh, yeah, it makes an interesting day. People do treat you differently how you how you dress. You scruffy bastard. <laughs> That's a good way to end. I'm only a colonial after all. <laughs> And here's another diverse opinion, this time from a lefty who says that the 300,000 people marching past were only ever going to achieve one evil objective. I'm at the uh, monument for airmen yeah. uh, in World War II. Uh, today is Remembrance Day and streaming past us here are <laughs> thousands and thousands of people on their way to a pro-Palestine or, or as I would call it, pro-terrorist yeah. uh, um, protest march uh, in nearby Hyde Park. I'm with, what's your name, sir? My name is Robert and I have to be honest, I'm about as woke as they come. 
But I have to be honest, right is right. Um, if, if Israel isn't able to destroy Hamas after what they did on October 7th, no nation could be secure. This is a very fundamental breaking of the security that underpins the fact that nations can live next to each other. Neighbors have to know that if you do something like that, it's not going to be good. And nations that don't defend themselves, like the Armenians in Azerbaijan, get wiped out. Or the Rohingyas in, uh, in Myanmar got wiped out. And I'm just a little bit confused about how every hipster, by modern standards, what's going on there, as tragic as it is, is nothing compared to, to the... I mean, in Syria, there are over, almost half a million civilians have been killed by Assad by just trying to keep in power. So these people are protesting uh, the, the attacks by Israel on Gaza, which in the end so. will be a, uh, you know, the, the toll will be minuscule compared to what oh, yeah. Saudi Arabia have done in Yemen. Well, yeah, yeah, that's, that's just a fact. I mean, I don't necessarily want to go. I mean, killing people is just bad. It's just, it's not as much a death toll. It's the as anyone who knows military study is, is proportionality has to do with what you're trying to obtain, right? What goal you're trying to obtain. For the Israeli IDF, they're fighting for survival. That's clear. They cannot have this group on their border. And it, it's a tragedy. I mean, How I don't does it make you feel seeing all these people marching towards a protest? No, I'm not too, because actually they have no influence whatsoever. They're trying to get the opposition leader to change his mind. They have no power, no influence. These people are always out. I believe they're 24 years, right or wrong, they're always out. The thing they could do, though, is we're suffering a lot of attacks on Jews, which I care about because that's, I live here. Right? I don't live in the Middle East. I live here. And I'm very concerned about the fact that Jewish life in many parts of London has had to go underground. And like I said, I'm as woke as they come. I believe in freedom for everybody. But I feel that, you know, Jewish people have to be afraid. And the only thing this is achieving is it's driving anti-Semitic attacks. Well, that is true right across the world right now, not only in London, but in Caulfield in Melbourne, in Bondi and Coogee in Sydney, in New York in Los Angeles and anywhere else in the Western world where Muslims have been permitted to form ghettos. Well, finally, here's a chat with a chap called Assad, the reasonable face of the pro-Palestinian movement. Have a listen to this. Now here with Assad, this is clearly one of the biggest marches in Huge history, Assad. How does it make you feel? Uh, proud, just hope somebody listens and does something about it, in all honesty, because yeah. Well, it's close to a million people. We just mm. hope that the, the powers that be do something to end the, the genocide that, that, that's happening, really, and, yeah. and have peace in, in that area. Well, uh, well, speaking of genocide, the Israelis are responsible for the deaths of many mm -hmm. uh, Palestinians. How do you feel about Saudi Arabians killing Yemenis? Yeah, and... It's just as bad. It's just, well, it's but, just but no one marched for those. No, it no doesn't. No, no. And, and more needs to be done about those things. And it's not just there. It's everything that happened in, in, in Myanmar, Burma, all those places. It's across the world, not just Muslims, Christians, all faiths, all people. And yes, it's so, but why, why are the Israelis the villains if everyone, if there is it's a not, lot of killing going on? Not, yeah, you're right, there is a lot of killing going on from a, I can only speak of this as a Muslim uh, in that sense, obviously the, the Palestinian area is, is, is holy and it's special to us, that's why it affects us more when we do it, but you're right, there's killing all over the world and, and it's all on us, all humanity, to do something about it. How do you feel about Hamas? Hamas condemn what they do. What they, as soon as they happened on October seventh, I was 
you know, hearing the reports, true or not, you never want to hear anything like that, and it's just wrong for it to happen. Um, you just want some between someone with a brain to stop Israel, stop Hamas, to do something. It's, it's just a peaceful march. It doesn't. Nobody wants here to cause trouble. No one's here to kick off with the police or anything like that. <clears throat> I've seen a, a big mix of people: Muslim people, Christian people, Jewish people, all who just want peace. Well, that wasn't strictly true. A rebel news journalist came across this guy in the crowd. If the West feels so sorry for the Israeli Zionists, why don't they give a place in Germany? Why don't they go to Hitler's back garden and make occupation there? Then they will know what kind of people these are. Why every so many hundred years, the Zionists get slaughtered? Because Hitler knew how to deal with these people. They probably made a program so they can create a state of Israel in the expense of Palestinian Muslims' blood. And while the police were keen to get stuck into the lads, trying to get to the cenotaph at the other end of Whitehall, here they are at Trafalgar Square, standing idly by while Palestinian thugs beat people up. In Britain, they call this two-tier policing, but smart people call it what it really is, the beginning of a caliphate, where Muslims get more rights than everyone else. There are inexorable forces at work in our society right now, especially here in Britain. Frustrated, patriotic, working-class people think the only way they can get their country back is by engaging in running street battles with the police. Millions of useful idiots think they can save babies in Gaza by joining marches organised by people with deep connections to terrorist organisations. Short of a civil war, the only way of reversing these processes is through politics, and our politicians could do it quite easily. They could make our migrant programs more selective. They could make the support of terrorist organisations punishable by serious time in jail. They could apply the uh, laws against racial vilification more equally and more vigorously. They could make crimes committed by recent migrants punishable by permanent deportation. And, of course, they could restore civic pride in our history and our culture to our education system. But they won't. This is not going to end well, even for them. Well, I'm joined now by Dr. David Adler of the Australian Jewish Association back in Sydney to give us the latest on what's been happening back there. And it's like in London here, 
It's not good news at all. David, welcome to the show. Thank you, Fred, and uh, thank you for focusing on uh, what for us is a really important uh, issue in difficult circumstances. Well, it's an important issue for all of us, David, um, and we will get mm. to that in a minute. But firstly, we've seen what happened in Caulfield and we've seen what happened in Coogee. Can you just give us, firstly, your response to what those, by now most Australians have formed an opinion about what, what happened there, but give us your response to uh, those two instances, those two events. Well, firstly, I think everyone will realise that they were designed to be provocative. Uh, here we had uh, largely Muslim groups um, who in both Melbourne and Sydney tend to live in different areas quite apart from the Jewish community. And they thought it was a good idea to go into an area where there is the Jewish community focused uh, in order to do their protesting, and some would say to provoke violence. Uh, in Caulfield, uh, it was probably worse, uh, where uh, a large group turned up. Uh, they thought that it was nice to protest uh, on Shabbat, uh, right at a synagogue, and uh, unfortunately, for security reasons, uh, the synagogue was evacuated. Um, there was some uh, confrontations uh, in the street and, you know, rather ugly scene, uh, intolerance, uh, shouting, uh, abuse and uh, generally quite unwelcome. Yeah, uh, in, well, David, I imagine in, that these are just the tip of the iceberg. Uh, one sees occasionally on social media uh, reports that um, these aren't isolated incidents. What's it like in the Jewish community? Is there a lot of talk about other uh, attacks that aren't getting in the news? And um, what are Jews sure. in Australia doing now to defend themselves? Well... Fred, um, there have been numerous threats. Uh, I have seen many dozens of threats. Uh, indeed, a significant death threat has been made against me personally. Uh, I can't say much about that because it's in the hands of the police. Uh, but sorry, whenever we get you information, can you give me, you give me um, yeah. some sort of substance about how substantial that is? Uh, well, the phrase that was used, it was a written uh, threat um, delivered to the office of the Australian Jewish Association and had a lot of the abuse that we've seen out on the streets, you know, gas the Jews and F the Jews and all this sort of thing. But um, my name was mentioned and the phrase repeated in three, at least three times along the lines that, I will hunt you down and kill you. So it was fairly specific. Uh, and are obviously... Alone, are are uh, other people getting death threats as well, other Jewish people in Australia? There have been many general threats, uh, certainly uh, threats to kill Jews. Um, I remember being in the uh, ADH-TV uh, studio 
waiting to do an interview with your colleague, Alexandra Marshall, and uh, one came in over the phone uh, that said that, uh, you know, watch out, uh, the Jews of Sydney will be killed in the next two weeks. So I, I read it into the interview. Uh, we've been obviously providing information to um, federal and state counter-terrorism uh, authorities, um, hate crime units, and uh, hopefully they'll be able to track down uh, and prosecute uh, some of these people. I mean, we, we don't mind people having... Yeah, we don't, we don't mind people having, you know, opposite world views on the politics, but to actually... Uh, threaten fellow Australians uh, who are not doing anything to them and who are um, uh, not, in fact, uh, actively involved uh, in what's happening overseas is, is just ridiculous. It's not. It's un-Australian. It's undemocratic. Um, and it's funny that you use the, the, uh, frankly, the term we think hate crime that because yeah. uh, the that's what it, know, that, that, yeah, that's, that's a, phrase that's that's a police term. Yes, it, it, well, it's it's a phrase that's been invented just in the past couple of decades, mostly to accuse conservatives like uh, like myself, and uh, I'd hasten to add you're of a similar political bent, accuse us of being uh, hateful towards minorities. And that's the way these hate crime laws have been used over the past few years. Now, I've got to say, David, one of the most conspicuous the an organisation that is conspicuously absent from all this debate and confrontation is the Australian Human Rights Commission, which for years has been applying Section 18C uh, of the Racial Discrimination Act, which makes it illegal to uh, vilify or intimidate or humiliate people based on their ethnicity. Now, such remarks are rampant across Australia and on the, not only on social media, but actually on the streets, especially outside synagogues. Are you surprised that the Human Rights Commission has been absent? Um, we are surprised by the lack of effectiveness of the Australian law enforcement for, um you know, officials, the Human Rights Commission. Look, like you, uh, I'm not a fan of 18C, particularly the lower two thresholds, which is insult and offend. I mean, who cares? Uh, but what we're talking about here is threats of physical violence. We're talking about incitement to real violence. Uh, and that crosses a line. And I think even the most reasonable but enthusiastic supporters of free speech draw a red line at physical violence. So I think hate crime directed at someone like you, Fred, is totally inappropriate. Um, to my knowledge, you've never threatened to bash or kill anyone. Uh, if you did, then you would also be crossing uh, the line. Uh, out in the streets in Melbourne and Sydney, um, we've and over the social media, we've had, as I said, many dozens of threats um, some of them quite serious, uh, and it's unsettling. Uh, we're not used yeah. to that uh, in Australia, and we don't want to see it. Well, David, the I think the bigger issue for the for the rest of the country is that the behaviour of these people, while for now is directed at Jews, their ultimate objective is not to stop 
at gen- genocide, if I can use that word, of Jewish people, they seri- quite clearly want an Islamic caliphate. And once the Jews are dealt with, they're going to come for the rest of us, aren't they? Well, at, at the extreme, yes. Uh, there is a, a saying that comes out of uh, the Middle East, um, which is first the Saturday people, then the Sunday people. In other words, first we go after the Jews and then we go after the Christians. We see that being played out in some areas geographically. Perhaps uh, the most significant Christian city in which you see that nowadays is Bethlehem. Uh, There are no Jews now in Bethlehem and the Christian population as a proportion has declined from about 80% to somewhere between 15 and 20%. In some of the African countries, um, we see uh, organisations like Boko Haram uh, and remnants of Al-Qaeda slaughtering Christians. You know, that that particular flag that was held up by Man Monas in the uh, Lindt Cafe siege, um, the flag, that flag with the same words, different style of writing, was carried into Kuji yesterday. Uh, this is the um, Islamic flag, uh, not a flag of Palestine. Most of the convoy that went into um, Kuji had uh, Palestine-type flags, but there were also a couple of flags used by the radical Islamic um, jihad organisations. Uh, we have pictures of that. We have had a... Uh, uh, an, a Arab Syrian refugee in Sydney uh, interpret the writing on the flags and confirm that it was the same. And we have conveyed uh, the vehicle's registration number as well as, well as pictures to uh, federal and state counterterrorism authorities. So, you know, the, the extremists seem to be quite well represented. Uh, and I don't mind calling it out bluntly, Fred. We, we have imported into this country uh, an intolerance, a hatred uh, of a particular ideology. Uh, I don't know how we put that particular genie back in the bottle, um, but there's going to be a lot of work for our uh, um, security agencies to deal with it going forward, no doubt. Well, one of the one of the ways we could deal with it is by uh, remembering that it happens. I mean, one of the most remarkable things about Martin Place in Sydney, where the Lint cafe siege occurred uh, probably six or eight years ago now is that there is no memorial to the victims there there is nothing that commemorates what happened it 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 was an islamic uh, terrorist event that brought the entire city of sydney almost to a standstill and yet people walk past that building now anyone who walked past that building now would not know what happened inside that building on that, well, it was a day and a half of, uh, of, of serious, um, you know, terrorist activity right in the heart of Sydney. I think the problem with our liberal democracies is that we so easily forget what, these, what some migrants have done uh, in Australia and what they continue to intend to do. Yeah, look... Uh Education 
and remembrance is terribly important. I mean, we know the old uh, saying, and it's very true, that those that don't learn the lessons of history, whether it be uh, recent or, or older history, those that don't learn the lessons are destined to repeat repeat them. Uh, and in some respects, we are seeing repeat. Uh, one of the things that really worries the Australian Jewish community uh, is that we are seeing some of the events in Sydney and Melbourne particularly that are reminiscent of the lead up to the Holocaust. We see calls for boycotts of Jewish bu uh, businesses. We see graffiti being applied to, uh, you know, to some Jewish buildings. Um, obviously the threats. We've seen uh, some groups uh, going around in effect hunting for Jews uh, and there have been arrests in uh, both Sydney and Melbourne uh, about that sort of behaviour. And these are all things that happened in the in the lead up to the to the Holocaust. And David, I've just it, been it's dreadful. A, and what, what's just, sorry, I, I never, just, sorry to interrupt. I've just been to a march in London where the size of the crowd was mm -hmm. estimated at 300,000 people. It's the biggest mass gathering I've ever seen in my life. Mass. Uh, probably one of the biggest in history. And it, the, the mood, uh, I've got to be honest here, the mood of the march was really quite peaceful. I mean, everyone was just simply mostly chanting for ceasefire. Cease uh, there was obviously and inevitably... A, a fringe element of thugs who were, you know, um, being quite aggressive and intimidatory. And, uh, but, but mostly it was, it was in fact, they, people who've never been to Palestine and have no uh, sort of familial connection to the area calling for a ceasefire. Now, what those people don't seem to realise is that the march was actually organised, some of the people who organised the march, are actually from Hamas and what that march, when you call for a ceasefire, you are applying equal moral uh, judgment on Israel and Hamas. And that is, is well, I'll put it bluntly, that's just stupid, isn't it? Well, it, it, it's also stupid and uh, look, London, where, where you are, um, obviously was a centre of the effort to defeat the Nazis. Churchill um, did an extraordinary job. Can you imagine, you know, Churchill is uh, instructing the British army to do certain things to defeat the Nazis and, the, and there'd be people marching in the street calling for a ceasefire. And that's really what the useful idiots uh, are doing. And Hamas have demonstrated uh, clearly, and there's huge evidence, and I can tell anyone how to access the evidence if they want to see um, some of the most barbaric acts that have ever occurred, uh, that they've demonstrated that they are at least as bad as the Nazis. You know, torturing people, uh, killing children, uh, removing body parts, uh, you know, open up opening the womb of a pregnant woman. Uh, and then they go into some of the Holocaust type stuff, putting a baby in the oven while they rape the mother. I mean, what, what sort of people do do that sort of thing? You cannot coexist with them. 
and so Israel has to uh, annihilate Hamas and seems to be making good progress in that direction. And a call for a ceasefire uh, would only assist Hamas to regroup. Unless you've seen what they've done and dealt with that sort of level of terrorism, uh, you're really in no position to uh, advise on what the strategy should be. How do you feel about the Australian political leaders in response to all this? Uh, uh, I must say that our Prime Minister, Anthony Albanese, and Foreign Minister, Penny Wong, have been extremely disappointing, uh, giving all sorts of uh, mixed messages. And, you know, for example, in, in response to the events uh, in Caulfield that uh, led to the evacuation of a synagogue, they make some sort of statement, mealy-mouthed, Australia, there's no place for intolerance, we have diversity, and we oppose anti-Semitism and Islamophobia. So they're creating the moral equivalence immediately. The standout political leader has been Peter Dutton. Uh, his statement was unequivocal and clear and condemned uh, in no uncertain terms what happened. Um, Frankly, we think that some of the Australian policies have emboldened and enabled uh, the attacks, the anti-Semitism that we're now seeing on our streets. Well, Labor is beholden to, uh, to this particular demographic to stay in power. Yeah. Is that what's going on here, do you think? Uh, that may well be a factor. Uh, I know somebody who's done an analysis of the various electorates based on census data, and there are at least 15 seats which are significantly influenced by uh, the Muslim vote. Um, most of those are held by Labor, uh, one or two by the Greens. Uh, in contrast, the number of seats that are significantly influenced by the Jewish community um, maybe one, possibly two. So there's a, there's a big difference in the political leverage on the numbers. But I, I think there's also something uh, philosophical that's happening, uh, Fred, and that is that if you are into any of the isms, if you lean towards communism or socialism or uh, Islamism, uh, then you're setting yourself up to oppose Western democracy. Uh, and Western democracy is founded on Judeo-Christian ethics. And, you know, I'm not talking about being religious or not, but the whole foundations of uh, Western democracy, whether it's the Judeo side or the Christian side, began in the land of Israel. So these people tend to be uh, reflexly, politically, um, opposed to Israel. Uh, it's not particularly rational, but one of the ways that you undermine the institution of Western democracy is to attack the place where it all began. It seems like we are in a position where Labor, uh, to stay in power, needs to uh, side with people who would undermine democracy, as you say. David, thank you so much for joining me on The Fred Paul Show. 
Thank you, Fred, and uh, maybe we can talk when there's good news. <laughs> I'm looking forward to that day. Thank you, David. That's David Adler from the Australian Jewish Association.